0: Right here, so oh we topped it cold top it. Whoa. it. Okay. There you go. Yeah.
1: Iron. Oh we shanked it. Oh, look at that line, ladies and gentlemen. Oh boy, is he on
0: the thing? Welcome to the Bogey Boys Podcast.
1: You're joined here by Kevin and Mark, and we've got a guest, Miss Amy Bolden. How are we, Amy? You okay?
2: I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: No, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate our things at the moment.
2: Good, yeah. Um, I've not long got back from, I've been in the States for a little while, so I've not long been home, actually. I've been home for about two weeks now. Yeah? Um, yeah, so I've actually been away since the 2nd of January, so I've actually been kind of travelling this whole time, which has been kind of nice, actually, to have some kind of normality.
1: Yeah, I know I'm going to stick my foot in here like I did with Charlie, but why did you come back?
2: <laughs> I not know. Like, why did you, <laughs> you just stay out <laughs> there? I actually really missed home, to be honest. Oh, um, right. Yeah, I'd been away for, I mean, I left on the 2nd of January and I got home, um, yeah, like two weeks ago, start of April. So it was like three months away. And I don't know, you just miss like, I mean, I hate cooking, but you miss being, having the option to cook. Yeah. Like I was going from hotel to hotel and it was just kind of taking a bit of a toll on me towards no, the you end. Do. You miss the home
1: comforts, don't you, as well? Of, of being
0: yeah, away. definitely. Mm. Yeah. So what was, the, what was the purpose of America? Was it just a training camp, was it?
2: Um, so I did the first, I think I did three weeks in Dubai in January just to do some practice out there. Um, and yeah. I then went to Saudi Arabia uh, with my sponsors and went to the men's event out there to do um, some clinics and played the pro-am. And then I went from there to the States um, to do some practice and my boyfriend coaches. So I was kind of traveling with him while he was coaching. So that was nice. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. It's Liam James, isn't it? He's, he's, yeah. Is he coaching you, yourself, is he? Or have you got some of the He
2: coaches me as well, oh, yeah. Oh, nice.
1: Well, how's, how's that one? <laughs> I was waiting <laughs> for
2: that question. <laughs> like, honestly, we get that from everyone. We're like, does it work Can it be your boyfriend and coaching you? Um, but no, it does, actually. We've always kind of had a good relationship kind of, keeping it professional when we're having lessons and stuff. So um, yeah, he's a great coach. So I've been working with him now for probably two years.
0: Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The results are shown by the looks of things. You've had a fantastic two years and we'll, we'll come onto that definitely as, as we go through the show. Um. so, Obviously, the purpose of these shows, and we've done them with a few professionals now, it's just to get get a full journey, try and inspire the next generation to understand your journey as well. So we normally go with, obviously, how it started, how you got into the game, what age it was, and what was the reason you took the golf route?
2: Yeah, so I first probably picked up a golf club when I was about six. Um, two older sisters that played. Um, my dad was the head pro at my golf club, um, He retired a few years ago now, but he was there for 35 years. And my mum was a decent golfer. So I really, being the youngest of the three girls, had not really a choice of not being able to play golf. Um, And I used to want to just kind of follow my sisters around on the golf course as well. I used to want to kind of hang out with them. So I started a little bit earlier than them. um, And I just kind of entered tournaments from such a young age, I think, because my sisters were playing in tournaments when they were about 10 and 11 because I was that few years younger, my mum and dad would just enter me in my age group. And um, I think that was probably really good for me as starting to play competitively at such a young age and yeah. um, obviously helps confidence-wise and also meeting so many other girls from all across Wales at the time um, that also played golf because back at my golf club, it was just me and my two sisters. There wasn't really any other girls that played. So it was kind of interesting to see that there was more... Girls that played golf across the country. Um, when you think that I was from a small town and there was really hardly any girls that played golf,
1: what where is that? Wait, what What golf course is that?
2: Uh, that was at Myers D. I grew up playing.
1: Oh, my oh, yeah, um, by North Wales
2: in North Wales. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's over the road from North Wales, isn't it?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I played there. did yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, oh, did you? <laughs> well, it's I, played, I, played, I played, you North, guys,
1: played North Wales, not not Myers D. Like, but it's it's on the list. Okay, so get out it's a nice life. course. So moving out of there, then you're playing in your your club competitions. At what age are we? uh...
2: Um, I probably played like up until, I probably, when I was about 13, I started entering, kind of getting noticed by the Welsh squad, really. Um, And I think because my sisters were in the Welsh squad, um, I was in it a bit younger and they were kind of like developing me from a young age with the coaches. Um, And I started travelling to, I remember when I first went on my first trip away, I must have been 13 and it was in the Scottish under-16s at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went with the team Wales um, and that was when I really started to like enjoy it and love kind of competing against. And that was when we started playing against people from Scotland, England, Ireland and Wales. Um, and I kind of got in the Welsh squad from that point, And that was really my goal was to kind of stay in the Welsh squad, represent Wales. And then I had all my goals of playing home internationals and uh, Europeans and things like that.
0: Yeah. Was, was it always your ambition to be a professional golfer once you got to that stage and started getting them? Is it just one route? I want to be a pro and that's that.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I have this conversation with a lot of people. They always say, "Would you? what would you do um, if you weren't a golfer? Did you always know you were going to be a golfer? And I'm always like, I think I never really thought about doing anything else when I was in school. Um, I actually really wanted to go to university in America when I was in school. And I remember, and my friends will all say from school now that, they always thought that I was going to go off to America when I was 17, 18 and go and do the university route. Um, but it just got to a stage that when I was, um, 17, I'd finished um, high school at back in Wales. I, I didn't really want to do any more schoolwork <laughs> to be honest. I just yeah. wanted to kind of play golf. Um, and I wanted decent weather to play golf in. So my sister, um, used to teach, she turned pro and, uh, she got a job at Abu Dhabi golf club in the middle East. Um, so she did about four years out there, and my dad gave me the opportunity in the winters to go out and spend a few months with her and be in nice weather, and that was all I really wanted. So I got to play, I think, probably two years full-time amateur golf um in the summer. And then in the winter I'd go and work on my game over there, which was perfect for me, really. That's
1: perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And obviously it shows that in the in some of the results that you've had, like the home internationals, like the and then your junior Solam Cup.
2: Yeah, so um I think I played junior Solheim when I must have been 16 at the time. Um, yeah. And that was just such a cool experience. Like, I remember when I I didn't really know much about the junior Solheim Cup um, when I was an amateur. And then as you kind of develop and you are at the top of the game um, or at the top of the amateur game, um, you hear about all these different teams um, that you can get into. And I'd heard about the junior Solheim Cup and I was like, how cool is that to... Be able to get into that team and it was so good it was i think it was 12 girls um and they were from all over europe as well i think they were i'm trying to think i was one of two or oh, one of two british people and then they had um the Maguire twins from ireland
3: yeah
2: um, and then everyone else was from sweden and france and it was so cool to meet so many different girls from europe um, and be a part of a team with them as well and it was just a really different kind of experience And then after I played in that um, there was the Junior Ryder Cup and that was just one of the best teams I've ever been a part of. Um, I mean, if I reeled off the American team to you now, you'd just be amazed of the guys that were in that team. It was... um,
1: You put it on the spot now.
2: I know, yeah. (laughs) Um, I I don't remember them all. Um, That's okay. (laughs) But it was six girls, six boys in a team uh, from Europe and six boys, six girls in a team from um, America and the American teams, guys' team was uh Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Ollie Schneider Jams, I think yeah. I said that right, yeah, yeah. and Denny McCarthy. Like it was just all of the guys now that are doing sure. so well on the PGA tour. Um, so it's quite cool to have had that experience of seeing how good they were at that age as well. And um, I mean, they must have all been about 16 as well at that time,
0: yeah, and they just beat them. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. do you know what I, I remember uh, Jordan at the time was obviously such a good player and he was such a well-known player as well and you play on the final day um four ball basketball and it's a girl and a guy so it's mixed foursomes or four ball and um, when I saw the draw I was drawn against Alison Lee and Jordan Speed. and I saw the draw and I was like oh my god <laughs> like we're gonna get thrashed
0: <laughs> like it was
2: like the number one number one seed from both of them and I was like great just <laughs> it was a good match but they were so good
0: good experience for you yeah definitely and then um, I yeah. see you, you played a few majors uh, British Opens as an amateur as well talk us through that whole experience especially your first one I imagine that's the one that you were most nervous about
2: yeah, definitely. I, that was at Birkdale as well. Yeah, um, 2010, yeah. yeah um, which seemed a long time ago, but it was amazing just to kind of have that experience at a young age to get into the British Open. And it wasn't, Birkdale's not too far from North Wales either, so yeah. I had basically my whole golf club come and watch me, and I think I must have had maybe a really late tea time on the first day, um, and the grandstand behind was just full of members from my golf club
3: and <laughs> I remember
2: when they um, they called out the first girl's name and there's a little clap and then they call out my name and there's this massive cheer and I've never been so nervous <laughs> in my
3: life <laughs> I, actually,
2: I actually think I winged it so far right out of bounds that I had to reload but then first team nerves is kind of what you play for isn't it, it was just a cool experience and my whole family got to be there, my dad actually caddied me that year as well so that was pretty cool
0: Amazing. Yeah, we actually worked at that one. Yeah, what to Didn't say? You? We worked there, yeah, on the uh, scoreboard. Did you? On
2: the,
0: <laughs> yeah, 2010 yeah. one, yeah.
1: So in between then playing in open, do you have it? There's other amateur credentials there, like you've won all of like everything, the Scottish amateur, the Welsh amateur, the English <laughs> open, like they're all massive events that have built you up to then be going on to have to turn pro. So what what was it like the transition to actually turning pro with the decision? Obviously, not going to college. What what cemented that for you?
2: Yeah. So when I was playing full-time amateur golf, I just, um, I had kind of like a checklist or goals basically of what I wanted to achieve before I turned pro and um, they they were winning certain tournaments or representing certain teams. So once I'd kind of ticked them off, um, I felt like all of the girls, all of my friends that I played with were kind of like moving on to the next stage and turning pro I'd played with, you know, Holly Clyburn. um, She'd gone on and turned pro Um, Kelsey McDonald. She'd gone on and turned pro and I was like, Getting to a point of, I'd felt like I was older than all the other girls coming up. And I felt like when I was turning up to tournaments, I'd got to a point where people were expecting me to win. Um, and I felt like it was just getting to a point where I needed to move on to the next stage. Um, yeah. So I went to Q school and that was in Morocco at the time. And I think I th- at top 30, get their full tour status for the following year. And I finished 32nd. Um, So I was obviously gutted, and I was thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get into any events." Um, But I thought I'll play some LET Access um, events um, in the meantime, and I played in Switzerland and won it. Nice. And yeah, and that was uh, amazing. Obviously, to um, win one of my first events as a pro. Say,
0: was that your first event or just one of them? Yeah.
2: It was actually my second. I played in one um, earlier, which was um, the one in England, actually. But it was actually the season before. Um, it was, I think, it was just before Q School. I played in it,
3: okay. um,
2: and that was yes at Stoke by Nayland just before Q School. Um, so that would have been the first one of the following season.
3: Wow. And That's then nice. I managed
2: to get an invite to uh, Morocco, which is I think is the first event on the uh, on the LET season. Um, and I got an invite into that and. Played terrible. I was so nervous. I remember Laura Davis being there, and I was just on the range looking at her, thinking, "Oh my god, I'm playing like Laura Davis in the same field as me." And you just like you kind of a little bit in awe of people that you've watched playing professionally. When you're an amateur, you kind of like then playing against them and alongside them. It was kind of a lot to kind of take in. Um, played terribly that week, and then I think it got to U.S. Open qualifying later in the year um, or that summer. Um, and I entered that, and that was at the Buckinghamshire. I ended up winning that and going to the U.S. Open, and I felt I feel like winning U.S. Open qualified just kind of gave me a load of confidence. Um, and then I got played the U.S. Open, and then I ended up getting a few more invites. And um, I think because I was kind of riding high from winning that, um, my golf was in a good place, and I started to just play really well. And yeah. every event I then played in. I finished top 10, and if you finish top 10 in an LET event, you get an invite into the following week, um, and I ended up doing that for kind of a few consecutive events in a row, and by the end of the year, I had full status, and that was when I actually won Rookie of the Year, so yeah, I amazing. started off the year with not actually having full LET status, and it just shows kind of the opportunities if you play well, um, they are there.
0: You're right, it just shows you, doesn't it? Obviously the consistency levels, even though you don't get off to a great start getting on the tour, there's still potential and you've obviously shown that. You mentioned there about the, the US Open talk was a bit through that whole experience. Is are you played in many of them or was that the only one? Or
2: um, No, that was the only one I played in. So um, that was at Pinehurst and it was the first year where they did it the week after the men. Um, so we went out a little bit earlier, got to walk around for the men's final round. and I think um, Martin Keimer won that year yeah and mm-hmm. um, so you kind of got to walk the course see how they like you'd heard so many things about how hard pinehurst was and there was a lot of people talking about whether you kind of chip and run it from around the greens or whether you put it or people were using hybrids yeah. and I didn't really understand what they were kind of on about of why you'd put it off the green or like obviously the way the greens were cut um and then when I played my practice rounds I was like oh wow <laughs> this is hard and it's just a completely different experience to kind of any other tournament it is so hard and kind of that golf course I think set up for probably a fade and I was not hitting a fade (laughs) I don't even think I was hitting a draw I was hitting a big slinging draw so it wasn't (laughs) um it wasn't ideal hitting into them greens it was just so difficult but um it was just a great experience and you also realize like them events are just so like big and the way they treat you everything's so good about the events like they give you a like a free car for the week and you get looked after so well and it makes you realize wow well, this is really where you want to be playing
1: yeah you've arrived sort of thing
2: you've arrived yeah <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so then moving on from the u.s open experience what happened next
2: yeah so i um i played in europe then so i got my tour card in 2000 and at end of 2014 i think it was so um and then when I won Rookie of the Year, I stayed on the L.E.T. then for the next um, so many years. And I found the transition pretty easy for that year, first year. Like I said, I obviously um, had a great first year and played really well. And then going into the second year, I don't know whether um, I'd maybe taken my eye off the ball a little bit, got a bit comfortable. Of I'd yeah. obviously played so well the year before. And I think sometimes you can get a bit too comfortable. And kind of that happened to me over the next few years, to be honest. I just um, really struggled. um struggled with my game I felt like I wasn't in a good place swing wise and kind of lost my way of what I was actually trying to do.
0: Um, can, you, can you can you pinpoint that now and look on back as to, as to the, the reasons for that or do you think it was just to, you thought this is oh this is actually easy well not easy but you've had such a good first yeah. year?
2: Yeah I think I just to be honest I think that first year I didn't really do anything different to what I was doing when I was playing amateur golf and I think sometimes when you turn pro you feel like you need to change a few things um like I felt like I needed a full-time caddy because all the best players had a full-time caddy and um, so I was like oh I need a professional caddy on my bag." and really that's not really the case you can you can do your, you carry your own bag if you want to um, yeah. and that's what I did my first John tour I kind of did most of it myself where I'd have friends out um just to do it for the week but I was doing everything myself I was doing all my own yardages I was making all my own decisions and then when you have kind of someone else's input um that doesn't really know your game either at the end of the day they've only seen you play kind of just in the practice rounds for that week and then trying to give you advice or and helping you with them decisions sometimes and especially with me I feel like I kind of rely on people a little bit too much or um, listen to people a bit too much when they're caddying for me so I really have to take a bit more ownership um and that's what I've been trying to do recently um I mean you've I've obviously got Liam as my coach which is great but you also need to kind of take ownership of your swing I think probably two years ago I probably relied a little bit too much on him um and I think I'm trying to get away from that a little bit more now as well of you know when I'm at a tournament I am on my own so you can't hit panic mode if things aren't going great you've got to you've got to really learn about your your swing as well so I'd say over the last six months, I've really tried to learn about my kind of tendencies in my swing. Of when I'm not playing great, what do I do? And kind of what's the um, first thing to go back to um, to try and help that out?
0: Yeah, well, you you talked there about um, obviously the the nerves. And I see in 2015 was your best finish in the Open. You finished top ten. Was you was you challenging at any point in that tournament, or was it a good final day? What were your nerves like going into that?
2: Yeah, I had a really good Saturday that week. I remember and um, the weather was brutal on the Saturday. I played steady first two rounds, got myself in a good position. And then the Saturday, the weather was horrendous. And I remember I was playing with Lexi Thompson yeah. and I was obviously a little bit starstruck the fact that I was playing with Lexi Thompson in the British Open. Um,
3: yeah.
2: But I just went out there and kind of played my own game that day. Obviously, I knew that she was going to hit it a long way. Um, I'd obviously seen her play a B4. So I just really had to kind of, stick to how I know I can play, especially in them conditions. Obviously growing up playing Lynx golf back in North Wales, you're kind of used to the wind and rain. So course, yeah. I really had to forget about, you know, swing thoughts and things like that. Sometimes you just have to get it round, especially on Lynx golf. It's not kind of you just have to keep the ball low, don't you? And yeah, especially course. in and around the greens you've got to putt well. So yeah. I played great that day. I shot three under, I remember in really tough conditions. Um, and I remember coming in after that round I think I was um I think at the on the final day I must have been in the last three groups I must have been in the top 10 yeah. and after that round there's obviously big press conferences there, interviews everywhere and I was like wow is this what it's like when kind of you're in contention a major yeah. um so that was pretty cool to experience that and um, early on in my professional career as well of to, Kind of what them feelings are like being in contention at a major, um, and going into that final day, I was really nervous. But um, I played with Soyanou, who um, she's a former world number one now, but she is just absolutely an amazing person, and she really kind of settled me on the course um, and okay. gave me loads of confidence. And that was really nice to kind of have a player kind of calm your nerves down a little bit. I think she could see me but I was a little bit nervous, and she chatted to me the whole way round and said, you know. You've got the game to play on the LPGA and kind of them kind of thing, so that really helped that final day. And I, I played pretty steady and obviously finished, I think ninth in the end. So um, yeah. yeah, that was really nice experience.
1: So you know when you're getting all of the the media attention when you after the third round you're doing interviews, it's completely different. Like sure, that must like that blow your mind a little bit for the next day. Like you've done well to actually just cut, settle down and just play another solid round, really, haven't
2: you? Yeah, a little bit. I think it, it was a lot that day, I remember. Um, and it was also my birthday that week. Oh. Um, so I had kind of a lot going on. Um, oh, yeah. But luckily, I had my family all up there that week. So it was nice to be able to then go and spend the evening with them and take your mind off. I remember my sisters were there, their partners were there. Um, So it was nice to kind of have family there so I could kind of forget about the nerves and that I was going to be playing in, in the major, the final day of the major the next day.
1: That's it. So after that, then, that season, you finished 10th on the Order of Medi and then you've progressed on from there.
2: Yeah, so like I said, I struggled for a few years on the LET and I just felt I'd got a little bit stale, to be honest. I felt like I was a bit too comfortable on the LET. I wasn't turning up and being kind of fired up to play events like you should feel. Um, So I just decided I needed to make a change. I went to Q school over on the LPGA and I actually won first stage um, i thought oh this is great obviously one first stage went through to final stage and final stage they then bring in loads more girls like it's it's such a hard process And they obviously the girls that have lost their card on lpj from the from that season have to go back to final stage and it was at um i think that was at pinehurst actually thinking about it it was um and that was six rounds and it was just brutal it was freezing and Struggled, but um, so didn't get my tour card. But then I ended up having status for Symmetra Tour, which is the feeder tour to the LPGA. Yeah. yeah. And um, I thought to myself, do you know what, I'm going to go over to America the following season, play Symmetra Tour, and just see whether I like playing in America because that was one thing I didn't really know if I could do the travel back and forth. Um, and I thought it's, I think it'll be a good experience for me to go over, and I could play a little bit of both tours as well. Um, so I went over there on my own, didn't really know any of the girls, um, which was kind of probably the most nerve wracking part is the European tour is so friendly. Like I can walk into a player's lounge and you can sit with pretty much anyone in there from whatever nationality, everyone's so friendly. Um, whereas Smech tour, I obviously didn't know any of the girls playing. Um, so I think I was more nervous about that than anything else. And I think my first event was in California and you just realize how good the girls are. Yeah. Um, like I don't think I probably had enough respect for that tour at the time. I think I thought, oh, Smash so Tour it's a feeder tour, you know, yeah. it's it's going to be kind of quite easy to get my tour card. Um, and that wasn't the case. It was a really kind of it's and everyone says it, it's just a massive grind on that tour. It's very expensive to play on. It's five hundred dollars an entry fee. Um, obviously, I was traveling back and forth from the UK, which is obviously then expense to high. Um you do host housing every week so every week you're staying with a different family which is kind of a lot to get used to as well yeah. um but I think I they have an event pretty much every week during the summer and I think I played seven weeks in a row and I got to my eighth week and I was like I have to rest like I was so <laughs> tired and I think that was kind of the biggest learning thing I learned from that was we weren't used to that in Europe over the last few years with struggling with events um and I learned how many events I can probably play in a row. and um, So I thought three is probably as much as I can do. And then I need to have a reset and go and see my coach or go and have a rest and go and see my family. Um, and that'll be when I play my best golf. So um, it was really good to kind of learn about probably myself. I was traveling by myself as well. Um, yeah. So that was it was a good experience. But I decided at the end of the year I needed to I wanted to come back to Europe and Towards the end that was in 2019. And towards the end of 2019, I was like, right, I'm gonna start concentrating on Europe and play a few events to keep my card. Um and didn't play very like I played okay, I played pretty average, um, but didn't make enough money to earn my LET status um for the following year. Right. So I remember the last event of the year in 2019 was in Kenya, and there's always a massive, well, there's usually a big party at the end, of, the end of the year tournament on the last night. And a lot of the girls probably didn't really want to ask me, but they're like, are you, what's your plans for next year? Are you going to America? Are you going to, uh, they didn't want to say, you're going to go back to tour school. Cause I don't know, it's something like, it's a little bit, you feel a little bit embarrassed of losing your Euro- European tour card. You feel like it's, well, I don't so- know.
0: I was going to ask you, is that, is that risky then? Obviously, with the decision you've made to go to Symmetra, that's quite a big risk to take, isn't it? Because there's a potential for you losing your European Tour cards and not getting onto the LPGA Tour. So it's like a double hit, isn't it?
2: Exactly, yeah. And I think I just thought that, you know, the last few events, I'd make enough money to keep my card, um, which obviously wasn't the case. I'd probably put a bit too much pressure on myself to do yeah. that as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the girls didn't really want to ask me, Are you are you going back tour school? And I think I was just kind of saying, Oh, I think I might go to America again the year after, even though I deep down I didn't want to. Yeah. Um, and my mum and dad didn't want me to go back to America. They wanted me to, and they always said you, you know, you should always keep your status in, in Europe, you should always have that opportunity to come home if you want to. Yeah. Um, so it got to December. I had a bit of time off and I thought, right, like, I'm gonna enter Q school. So 2020, 2020. Must yeah. Have been. Yeah, January yeah. Um, yeah. January 2020, I went out to the Middle East with Liam Um, he was coaching a couple of guys in Dubai and he was like, come out, we'll do two weeks prep before Q school. So I went out and obviously he coaches some great players um, and I had the opportunity to kind of practice with them um, and probably that built my confidence up a little bit of being around um, great golfers. They were kind of helping me a little bit with my short game obviously Liam was helping me every day with my swing and then I flew to Spain um and took my dad with me to Caddy which I thought that's going to go one of two ways of my dad <laughs> being on the back.
3: um
2: <laughs> but we uh um I just kept myself to myself I flew to Spain and I rented a um a two-bedroom villa for me and my dad so we kind of had like separate parts of the house to get away from each other at the end of the day <laughs> and
1: cool off ru- cool off rooms <laughs>
2: cool off yeah exactly um and yeah, I just went there and kind of did my own thing and kept my head down really. I didn't really kind of interact with anyone. I didn't tell anyone I was going to Q school. I didn't oh, tell wow. really any of the girls I was going to go. I just wanted to, I just didn't want any attention on it, I think, to be honest. I think I was okay, trying to avoid yeah. people messaging me and things like that. Um, yeah. So I went to Q school and luckily played well and um, managed to get my card back.
0: Yeah, played very well. Did you, did you win the whole thing? Yeah. 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 So goes. it was, um, well, I was well, just trying
2: to stay off. Sorry. Was it
1: with a birdie on the last? Was that to win or was that just a birdie on the last? Um, no, it was
2: just a birdie on the last. I, oh, you know, you'd already ahead. won. <laughs> I think I was already a few ahead, but also the top five got their card anyway. So, yeah. um, well, we,
1: we'll hey, we'll edit that bit out, and we'll say it was a birdie on the last to win. <laughs> well well, yeah, well okay. done, well <laughs>
2: done.
1: So obviously, you've regained, you've got your tour card there for 2020, and then what? Well, what I wanted to ask, but just jumping back a bit, when did you? What date did you start working with? With Liam, then, is he, is he, Is he? I know you might not want to admit this, but is he part of the revival process? Like,
2: um, Yeah, he is, definitely. Yeah, that's, um, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, he's definitely um, been a huge, he's had a huge impact on my golf, obviously. Um, I think we've not, like, we've done, obviously, a few swing changes. Um, a lot of it's probably, like, mental as well, though. Um, me kind of just having, getting my confidence back. Um, but the problem is, is confidence for me is built off results um, yeah. and if you're not getting the results how do you get confidence um so a lot of that was kind of having to work on things here at home and we obviously had this massive lockdown um last year so we built kind of a little golf setup in the back garden to kind of do some work on my swing and it was probably perfect timing as well was to be able to have some time off and do the changes i needed to make yeah. um so that was probably a blessing in disguise.
0: That coming good times for you, yeah. And then obviously your big massive win then on the on the European tour that year. Talk us about that.
2: Yeah, um, I mean it's funny. We was me and Liam were talking about this the other day. Was you actually? I actually didn't really have much form going into that event. Obviously, I did win Q School in January, but um, after that, didn't really play that great um, in the events that we had. And then lockdown happened. Did some work. Came out of lockdown. I played Scottish Open and um, I actually shot the worst round of my career. I think okay. I shot 80, 84 in oh. my. I think it was my second round, and it was just horrendous. Like, I mean, the feeling of when you're that far over par, and it's. I remember I was three. Oh, we? know, know it. it say,
3: we know yeah, it you know well. Very <laughs> well. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm glad. Eighty like four. Horrendous. Eighty four. a stormer.
2: I remember it was through nine holes. I think I was nine over through nine. I was like, oh, my God. And then I don't know if this happens to you guys, but you start adding up if you par in or if you bogey in or I have to do this over the next nine holes. And your mind just goes wild. Is that, is that not thinking. normal? No?
0: <laughs> I, did, I did that every week. <laughs> if I baity every hole. It's horrendous, room. isn't it? Yeah, if I the all nine in the back, 9 I've shot level. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah I wish I was in that mentality at the time but I wasn't it was like the opposite um so yeah and it was a tough day as well it was obviously the wind was up we were playing the Scottish Open it's it was a tough day anyway um but I just remember wanting to walk in off the golf course and I had my dad on the bag and I would never do that anyway I was always going to finish the round out but it was just more the embarrassment of you know I couldn't I literally couldn't hit the golf ball and then you hit you instantly hit panic mode of what is going on um And then I came home and obviously Liam's like, you don't lose your golf swing during the round. He's like, you've just lost your head. (laughs) And he's like, you've hit panic mode. He's like, you just have to remember and go back to basics. And that was kind of when we had that conversation of needing to learn a little bit more about my golf swing and understanding kind of when I hit a certain shot I had at the time, um, where does that come from? And the first thing you go back to rather than, I mean, thinking of a million different things of trying to hit the ball, <laughs> and yeah. that was literally what was happening every shot. I was trying something new, um, and it's obviously never going to work. So, after that event, um, I'm trying to think. I think it was maybe Czech Republic. I played or oh, not Czech. Um, I can't remember the tournament. But okay. the next one, Czech going Republic. To, <laughs> yeah, it, can be the I, it Republic. was one. It could have been. I'm trying to think where it was. It was one Emily Pedersen one. Um Anyway, I went out there, and Liam came with me to caddy, and I think he wanted to see what it was like when I was playing competitively in a tournament. and um, so he kind of came and just observed, um, carry my bag and I actually played pretty well, but my score didn't really reflect it. Um, but played, I made the car, I mean, I finished probably middle of the pack, um, but felt, I got a lot out of that week, even though the kind of result was average. And then the next event I played was Switzerland. Um, and I went to that event on my own was still working on a few things but I think I just took a bit of confidence I think sometimes it just takes you to hit one or two shots in a in a tournament that you really feel right that was it
0: yeah. and then
2: you have then your feels for the next event and that was kind of what it was for me in Switzerland I um, kind of had my swing feels for the week and I remember playing a practice round with Kelsey um, who I room with and I was like oh I love these greens like I just felt like I could see everything going in and practice. And that was really the story of the week. I literally just couldn't miss a putt. Yeah, I, <laughs> like I wish I could bottle that feeling every time. Okay. Well, that's it. If you've got,
1: like you, like you say there, sometimes if we're putting, it's just mental, isn't it? If you think that you're going to hold it, you're going to hold it. If you think you're going to miss, you're going to miss. It. And uh, exactly confidence there what you just said there about which is a great piece of advice I think for anyone listening is if you need to know why you're hitting what you're doing in your swing to hit that bad shot it's such that's such a good piece of advice I think for anyone listening is is to know your own swing not just rely on the tips that you're getting off the the coach
2: exactly yeah I think like I said a lot of times I used to hit panic panic mode when I was on the golf course of if I've hit a bad shot and I'm like why have I done that instead of me kind of just calming down and being like, right, okay, well, this is what we're working on at the moment. If I just keep doing that, even if it doesn't go right on the next shot, at least I've got just that one thought and it's kind of in the right direction or the right step forward with what yeah. we're working on rather than
0: going completely off. off trying on to your try own and try and yeah.
1: everything. Yeah,
0: definitely. What exactly. Was it like, yeah. What was it like coming down the stretch then? Because obviously that's your first. Um, I know you've been in, in similar situations in the past. You've had quite, a, quite good finishes on the, on the tour, but you've not actually got one over the line. So to get that first European tour victory over the line, what were the nerves like coming down the stretch?
2: Um, yeah, so I think before I teed off that day, um, I was, I'm not sure if I was tied for the lead or maybe I was one, I think I was tied for the lead going into the final day. Yeah. Um, and I remember on the warming up on the range, obviously I've got a lot of friends on tour and it's a very friendly tour anyway. And I just remember like a lot of people kind of walking past me and kind of, you know, putting their thumbs up and saying, play well today, get it done and things like that. And I had to put my headphones in to to stop people coming up to me because I thought I just I didn't want to deal with that. So I put my headphones in. I listened to a podcast, actually. Um, and it was quite interesting. It was not one I'd normally listen to, but it because it was a psychologist mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't I didn't listen to the podcast because it had a psychologist on it it was just their latest one that was out um, and I decided to listen to it and it was quite interesting because some of the things they were saying on it was kind of about the first two nerves and um kind of how you deal with things under pressure and I was just listening to this as I was warming up anyway I went to the first and I was just so calm walking to the first tee. anyway um hit my t-shirt down the first um down the middle was on the edge of the green ended up holding quite a decent part on the first hole
0: yeah. and
2: I think that just little bit of momentum on the first, I think, kind of really set the tone for the day. Um, And I just had in my mind, if you would heard me say this before in any of my interviews, but for that week, um, the day before that, I was really trying to 30 every hole. And sometimes when you're in that mindset, like things are just going your way. And that final round, I had a number in my head that I wanted to get to. Um, and I think it was 15-under, seems to ring a bell. <laughs> but I think it was 15-under I wanted to get to. And I didn't even think in my head that that's would be shooting seven-under that day. I just no. was like, right, 15 is the number that's going to win this tournament. So that's what I've got to get to. Yeah. So every birdie I made, it was like, right, OK, I've got four more to make. And that was kind of my mentality as I was playing the round. Very
3: and nice, obviously, you can't
2: man. think that way if you're not... Yeah, you can't think that way if you're not, obviously not playing well. That doesn't then make sense. But... Um, like when you are playing well and you're in them positions, it's kind of a really good way to, to think. It's like when you're thinking about the cut line when you're not playing great and you're kind yeah. of hovering around the cut line. If you're thinking, you know, two over is going to make the cut or well, you're probably going to shoot three over. Yeah. yeah. Um, it always happens. So I think just kind of flipping that mentality in a positive way um, really helped me. And I think I made the turn and I, I played the front line pretty well. I was a few shots clear. And then the girl I was playing with, Maha, she kind of just went on this birdie run out of nowhere and she was fist pumping. I was like, Oh no, she's kind of the competition oh, I've got here. Yeah. And I don't fist pump. And I remember she held this part on a par three and it was a great part. And she was getting like closer. I think she was then in, within one. And I hold the putt after her and I gave her fist. And I was like, I never do that. but <laughs> I was like, <laughs> So like fired up. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of nice to kind of get the adrenaline going and then, the last few holes, I was a few shots clear playing the last few holes, but, like, anything can happen. And I just was putting myself in, my, putting myself in good positions that where I wasn't really making any mistakes. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of a nice feeling for everything to go my way that day.
1: You beat your 15-under total because you got it to a 17-under, didn't you, were a 64 on the final yes. day, which is quality.
2: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I you remember know
2: that. Go
1: Sorry.
2: on, Tony. No, I was going to say, I remember that final... Um, 18th hole it was kind of a tight dog leg left and I thought I've hit driver here every day but I'm gonna to have to hit three wood because you know just it was a bit too tight with driver, and I hit through and I think that's the longest three wood I've ever hit in my life it went oh, so far <laughs> yeah
1: do you know um, obviously when we're gonna edit this podcast when you say you're on the range listening to a podcast we're gonna put in that it was our podcast <laughs>
0: <laughs> even, though it wasn't, even though ours wasn't even available there, but we'll take it yeah
2: when when I was talking about it, I was thinking you're gonna ask if that was your podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we, we don't even ask, we're just no, gonna tell everyone issues. it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was our podcast, yeah.
2: <laughs> You'll have to get a psychologist on quickly before this <laughs> gets released.
1: <laughs> so what's the um obviously that was in 2020 there? You've got your full um Yeah. what what does it does it bring the same as a European tour win? Like three years exemption and and, and um and whatnot?
2: Um, so it's two years exemption. Yeah. Um and then for this year, I get into the British Open and the Evian.
0: Nice, oh, brilliant, yeah. Yeah. Two majors to so look for. Yeah, majors, so in, yeah,
2: yeah so I've not played the well. I've played the Avian course before, but I've actually not played the major. Um, so I'm really excited to do that as well.
0: No, that'd be really good. Yeah, and uh, so what's the uh, what's the, what's the goals for this season then?
2: Um, just to really put myself in contention. Really, uh, we have a really busy schedule. Um, starting from the end of May. Um so I'm kind of doing my schedule at the moment obviously which is kind of nice to actually have to sit down look at the schedule and be like well I can't play in this event because there's just so many events in a row um, yeah. so kind of having to plan that a little bit um, and plan it around the majors as well so, so I want to be able to be kind of fit and healthy and ready to play um, when I tee up in them events so um, yeah I just want to be able to Kind of put myself in contention more often, play a bit more consistently. I feel like I've not really done that over the last few years, so um, just over these next two months, really kind of work on the game and uh, get ready, get ready to go.
1: What does the schedule look like? If you, um, you're you entered any of the Rose Series events because there's a few round here.
2: Yeah, I've entered the first three, so I'm playing West Westlands, which is the oh. first one.
1: That's I, we live where we are now is Crosby which is West Lancaster just uh, 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 a really? half a mile it's down the road so way, we'll yeah. uh, we'll be down there to watch it. We'll oh that's good way.
2: yeah okay. I love that course as well so I'm looking forward to that and it's nice to be able to play an event on a links course yeah because um, we obviously don't really get that very often we just get that British and Scottish Open so um that'll be good To I feel like it takes me back to amateur days when I play like one day links golf so that'll yeah. be fun
0: well, they got the yeah they got Hillside and Bakeday on the schedule on the roads as well, haven't they? Yeah, so I think
2: that's the it's the first week in August. Um, it does clash with an event for us though, which yeah. is um, so it just depends. I'm I'm hoping to actually play in them um, and maybe not play that event yeah. that's on the schedule, but we'll see.
0: Definitely, and I, we might have to fact check this. We love a little fact check on our on our <laughs> podcast shows that we do because we don't always get everything right. But I think I'm thinking is it top two European players on the LET? we'll get Solheim Cup. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that a target for you? this? I looked season? a bit unsure there,
2: don't I? <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I think it's the top two on the on the order of merit.
0: Order of merit, yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that a target for you then to try and get, break into the team this year?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I'm not going to put my, like too much pressure on that, but because um, I'm trying to think when Solheim Cup will be September, isn't it? Yeah, year? September,
0: yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so. Yeah, like it, for that to happen, I really have to win an event and also I think compete in the majors. Um because usually the top two on the order of merit is usually someone that plays on the LPGA to yeah. be honest.
3: Yeah.
2: And um, it's yeah. So I think I'd have to win an event and probably compete um, in a couple of big events as well. So it's definitely it's always going to be a goal of mine to make that team um whether it's this year, whether it's in two or four years time, we'll see. But um yeah, I just definitely want to be able to keep putting myself in contention and get another win soon. Yeah, definitely.
1: That's quality. So, you know, you when you win, on you've won on the um, L.E.T. and you get to two majors, how do you get the other, like the ANA and the other couple?
2: Um, so, I think the, I actually don't know. I think, yeah. the, well, the U.S. Open is, um, I mean, we usually have a qualifier to get into it. And I think it probably is world ranking and maybe, because Emily, I know Emily Pedersen's in them, Um and Emily won the Order of Merit last year, so whether the winner of the Order of Merit gets in them, I'm not I actually 100 yeah. yeah. sure.
1: Once, say if you had a, have a, like a good season this season, you win a few more times, like are you looking on going? Is LPGA the goal, or you'd like to um, you like home? Or
2: I love playing in Europe. I really love playing the European Tour, and I think I'll probably always play events on the European Tour. Um, but yeah, eventually, I would love to play in the states. Um, mm. But, yeah, it was nice to experience that in 2019 when I did a full season on Symmetra to see kind of what it's like travelling in America, uh, whether I liked it. And um, obviously spending the last five, six weeks out in the States with Liam as well was kind of good to see what I thought of it over there as well. Um, And I do like it. I I definitely could see myself playing over there full time. So hopefully um, that is definitely a goal of mine in the next two years.
1: That's quality. So you know when you're doing your scheduling there, make sure you schedule a little um, bit out for the Bogey Boys Golf Day because we're going to put one on with like a little pro am thing and get out, get everyone off the off the podcast down to play. So
2: definitely, I'm leave in.
1: Leave some yeah. room in your diary for that one. Probably when are we, when are we thinking? We're going to work gonna be around, around all, the, all the tours. Beginning
0: of October time, maybe. I think once all the the, yeah. the, the seasons are over, and we'll, we'll put something in there. But We've got quite a stellar cast so far haven't we well we've
1: we've had a stellar load of yeses we've got no concrete like we put the pressure on like this and then if we, we'll see we'll but see what happens it'll be a yeah. good day anyway if, do, 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 yeah that'd be great Lights there anyway yeah 100% oh yeah. definitely love that but um, it's been great chatting to you and we won't take up too much more of your time, and if you got anything else
0: to, to add, no, no, I'm good with that. That's an amazing, amazing bit of. No, insight. it's been yeah. great.
1: I think it's being very honest as well. What, what I've loved the most out of it is like you've admitted like where you've went wrong and a few things. With I hope people can like feed off that to be like that's something that I don't want to do. And oh, and then the comeback and everything. It's we wish you the best of luck, and we'll be down at West Langs to watch you.
0: Yeah, we'll you know, watch oh, thank you. Weeks, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you guys. We'll be the ones like, "Hi, Amy." It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bogey <bonnie> boys. <laughs> yeah, you just be like that, walking past them again. Yeah, definitely. No, but look, we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season, and as I say, reach all your goals. It's obviously going well what you're doing at the minute. The the progression over the past twelve, eighteen months has been it's been great. It's great to see. So just keep up, and um, yeah, we'll we'll keep keep our eye on you. And Wish you the best of luck for the future.
2: Thank you. Thanks
1: very much. And can you give Liam a little nudge if he wants to come on and have a chat and we'll get his side of the story? Um, yeah, I'll I'll give him a
2: push to come on.
1: Give him a push and we'll give him a message anyway. And then um yeah. We love to we love get we've got a few coach routes with well, Justin Parsons and a few big coaches, so it'll be to get his um his journey and all that as well. And I will,
2: I'll tell him. Okay, oh, <laughs> well, well,
1: right for your time, I really
0: appreciate it. See you see take soon. care. Okay. See you Thank bye you, Tim. Bye.
1: Bye. bye.